Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. This morning, Matthew 28, and I want to start reading with verse number 16. A few weeks ago, I went back to a, a let's call it old, whatever, an old doctrine called the doctrine of repentance, and we talked about that. And so this morning, I'd like to touch another one of our, uh, I say our, I'd like to touch another biblical doctrine, all right, the doctrine of baptism. And I, we do this from time to time, and we must repeat these things uh, in our ears and I, I know maybe some of you have heard this throughout the years, and that's great because you need to hear it again. Because there will be a spirit in the last days that will try to seduce people from those very elementary doctrines. As a matter of fact, I just had a phone call last night uh, with a gentleman. I was over here later in, later in the, the evening, rather, and had a phone call. And uh, he uh, expressed to me of someone of the apostolic faith that has went over into left field on a very elementary doctrine of God's word and so with that being said that just emphasizes to me I'm not I'm not foul balling it whenever I go back and talk again about a rudimentary doctrine of the word of God because we we got to know this stuff uh, frontward and backward it's just got to become a part of the fiber of our life and so I'm going to be talking to us about baptism this morning the doctrine of baptism that's written in God's word uh, Matthew 28 starting with verse 16 and then I'm going to read Acts 2:38 uh, well this morning as I did whenever we spoke about repentance but in Matthew 28 starting with verse 16 the Bible says then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them and when they saw him they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some of you will remember that from Wednesday night. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, if I may pick up where Peter gives a response to the crowd that asks the question, what must we do? And uh, this is the answer. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost repent and be baptized everyone in your name just for everybody sorry for the remission for the remission of sins I'm glad uh, this morning to know that my baptism isn't just it has a purpose baptism has a purpose Amen. Let's pray today that the Lord would help us. Jesus, I come to you this morning. I'm grateful, Lord, for everybody that's gathered together. Lord, in your house, Lord Jesus, to honor you and worship you and to give of their time, Lord Jesus, this morning. God, unto you. I pray, Lord, open our minds and our understanding. God, as we go back, Lord Jesus, to God, this very, Lord important Lord doctrine of your word I pray Jesus for our lives and the lives of all those Lord who would come to know you God and I give you the praise and glory God for what we receive today through your word in Jesus name I pray everybody say amen, amen. 
Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. The doctrine, the doctrine of, of baptism or baptism. Amen. Uh, our, our textbook this morning will be the Bible, okay? Our textbook this morning will be the Bible, and there are several verses of Scripture uh, that we may go to, and I don't know if we'll get to them all, and we'll see if I, we can get this done in one service. If not, guess what? There's always another service. Praise the Lord. Amen. That, see, that always works in my favor. There's always another service. Um, I want to talk about this today because uh, one of the reasons I want to talk about it is because we live in a society today that is uh, overwhelmed with tradition. And not all tradition is bad. I grant you that, not all tradition is bad. For one thing, if, if certain traditions have a biblical basis, then that's, that's noteworthy. But not all traditions have a biblical basis. And yet uh, society, and for that reason, uh, generations upon generation pass down some traditions that have no biblical basis, yet they're accepted then by the next generation to be truth. All right? Uh, when in fact, having no biblical basis, uh, uh, they are without truth. Jesus, and I'll refer to this later, but Jesus uh, in his high priestly prayer of John 17, and I think it's somewhere around verse 17, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. He said, your word is truth. And so uh, we, we, we are combating, even in our, our own families and lives, it doesn't matter where we come from, uh, there are certain traditions that arise. You know, there's things that even through your family, you know, your mom or someone might have told you uh, over the years that you believe is true. Have you ever found out that some of those things end up really just being a bunch of myth? You know, they told me if I made a face like that, that it would freeze. And, you know, I accepted that. And over the years, I come to find out it's a myth because my faith changed. My face, you all see this face. It changes and does all kinds of stuff, and it's yet to freeze. But maybe, but do you understand the concept, though, of what I'm relaying uh, to you this morning, that there's some things that we accept, and then over a period of time, we understand that there's quite something different. Uh, this was such an, important, uh, such an important idea or concept, not just for today, but back then, that in, in Jude, the gateway to the book of Revelation, in Jude, he spoke about how he was going to come to those, his audience, and he was going to talk to them about salvation, the common salvation. That's what he said. He said, when I come to you, I'm going to talk to you about the common salvation. But he deemed it necessary, I think it's Jude 1.3 there, that he said that I, I implore you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So he was just going to talk to him about the common salvation. But with that, he said, I felt it necessary and important not just to talk about this, but to implore you, man, contend for it, fight for it, uh, guard it, keep it, respect it. Uh, because even in their day already, uh, there had been some that had crept in unawares that was trying to pervert the, the, what was originally taught by Jesus Christ and his disciples. But we as a church today, New Testament scripture tells us that we are built upon the apostles and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's our basis. That's the basis of, of what we believe, the doctrines and dogmas of God's word. It's Jesus Christ himself, namely, and then the apostles who were taught by Jesus Christ. And so we stay within the confines of their teachings. Amen. To go outside of that is to be straying, folks. Amen. 
To go outside of that is to be strained. And so we stay with Jesus Christ and with what he had taught, amen, the disciples. Those, they confirmed it to us. Those that heard him confirmed it to you and I, amen, throughout the scripture. And so Jude says we must earnestly contend for this. We must deliver it. We must talk about it. Amen. Hallelujah. And so one of these things that is very essential, very essential uh, to salvation is Baptism. Baptism is very essential to salvation. Amen. We understand and we'll understand through Scripture, amen, that it wasn't just as is read or has been assumed through a formula of the titles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're uh, speaking about traditions. There's a lot of different opinions, all right? Everybody has one. There's a lot of different opinions. There's some that don't even deem that baptism is necessary in order for a person to have salvation. It's not a right that's necessary. There's others that believe that it doesn't require being baptized in Jesus' name, that you just can be baptized in the Father, Son, and in the Holy Ghost. So there's a lot of differing opinions out there, but with each of those opinions, dogmas, doctrines, traditions, again, let's take those back and let's bounce them off the Word of God. Amen. Let's bounce them off the Word. Don't, don't just take something and swallow it. My goodness, you better inspect what you're eating. Amen. Take it back to the, to the word of the Lord and, and compare and let the comparison be made right there. There's some that believe that salvation is just a matter of faith alone. And so what's the need or necessity of even having any type of water baptism? It's just faith alone. Have faith in God. You're saved. Are you all right out there? Okay. <laughs> So what need is there for water baptism? You can just, just have faith and it's taken care of. Uh, we are saved by, by grace through faith. So what's the, the need for water? Amen. Yet we understand this morning, I've, I've said this again, but I'm reiterating today. You can't just take a solitary scripture and just build in your whole doctrine, religion on that. You got to take the entirety of God's word, the whole composite of the whole thing to come to an understanding. For that matter, amen, in the Old Testament, he said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So it takes at least two or at most, or not most, at least two or if even three scriptures to establish a doctrine. Is somebody with me right here? Amen. And so whenever we look at this, we look at these different things throughout God's word. When we start talking about faith, we understand, though, that faith involves God's word. Why? Because the New Testament scripture tells us very plainly that faith cometh how? By hearing. And by hearing what? The word of God. Furthermore, we even know, according to James, that this thing that we call faith if it has not works, it's what? A dead faith. It's a non-existent faith. So faith does take works. Could I say it like this? Faith takes obedience. Amen. And so whenever we start looking at that, and you say, well, Brother McGee, faith takes obedience. Yes, it takes obedience. It's more than just hearing about these things and looking at the different things that are written in Scripture that teach us and instruct us, but it's another thing to have faith in them. And if I have faith in it, then I am going to be some, there's going to be some work involved somewhere. Faith does involve works because if it doesn't have it, then it is altogether dead. And there's nothing that illustrates that any better to me than Hebrews 11, the great, what, faith chapter. 
Because as I read throughout Hebrews 11 and all these different senses that begin with by faith, so on and so forth, whenever I read these, I read by faith, Abel offered. Offered. Action. Works. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch was translated because uh, he should not see death. It's, he had a testimony that he pleased God. Going back, though, to the story of Enoch, by faith, Enoch was translated. Why? Because Enoch walked with God. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. You see the correlation taking place here by, 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 by faith. You can go on. There's different ones if you read throughout the whole scripture. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Moses, he was hid by his parents. By faith, Moses refused. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. Amen. By faith, these different things, by faith we read that Isaac blessed. By faith, Jacob blessed. By faith, Joseph, he said, I give you commandment concerning my bones. What's going on? And every episode that you see mentioned that these people say, by faith, so on and so forth, there's always following that an action. Because faith is not faith if it doesn't have works. Amen. And so in God's word, when it begins to talk to us, amen, about baptism, that is not made active and generated in our life, and we can't say we have faith concerning that unless we do something with that. Amen. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 6, verse number 4, just kind of setting a platform here for us this morning. The Bible says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the word world rather to come, if they shall fall away. Now, pause here. Fall away in the Greek is literally if they are to deviate from the right path or turn aside or wonder. All right? To renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. He said, if I can just mark out, and I'm not marking out, but just to skip down in verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened if they fall away or deviate from the right path to renew them again. Listen, I, this, I want this to be branded in your mind. There is a big difference in backsliding from truth and backsliding from truth to engage into false doctrine. Listen to me. Because whenever you, whenever you leave this and then you embrace something false or an opponent to this, you have to disembrace truth. You have to disembrace God's word. Now listen to me. A person that does that, listen to me very clearly, a person that does that can't be renewed. Listen, listen now. Not because God won't. And not because there is an available mercy there. But because faith is no longer there. Because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. But when you disembrace the word, 
When you disembrace truth, faith cannot come. And if faith doesn't come, works or obedience to that cannot come. Somebody hear me right now. The only way they can ever be renewed, they got to disembrace the false and get reacquainted with the new again. Because if they'll reembrace truth, that inspires faith, that then entails works, and that's an action and obedient then to his truth, his word. So the impossibility of the matter does not lie with God. It lies with that they disembrace truth. And they can't have faith if they don't have truth. And see, as people get exposed to God's word and hear God's word, something generated in them, and that is his truth. And he told us, as I said, that high priestly prayer, he said, my, my word, my word is truth. Amen. For that matter, water baptism in Jesus' name, amen. It does not contradict salvation by grace through faith. It does not contradict that at all because water baptism is an act of obedience you've seen it you had faith in it you acted on it so they're still being saved by grace through faith your faith caused you to act amen and be baptized in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ so baptism is an act of obedience or an act of faith and scripture tells us also in Hebrews 11 in the starting that without faith what it is impossible it is impossible to please God. Now, here's, here's, here's the crux of the matter. One can't claim, one cannot claim Jesus Christ as their Lord, their master, while at the same time failing to obey his word. You cannot say Jesus Christ is my Lord and then fail to obey his word. He told one of the servants, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? It's a contradiction of terms and actions for you to call me master, and then I say, go hither, and you say, I'm not going there. Well, Lord status has just been subjected to acquaintance, you know. Whatever. He said, you, you, you can't do that. You, you cannot claim him as your Lord and then fail to obey his word. So if Jesus Christ, you're saying he's your Lord and your master, then we have no problem then with falling through and being water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus commanded it. Someone say amen. And baptism is so important that we understand from Acts 19 to have uh, improper baptism or not all the way baptism, however you want to term all that type of stuff. But it, it is possible to have an incomplete salvation experience whenever you lack the proper baptism. Amen. You're, you're all right. Some of you are getting me, look at me like he's not preaching truth this morning. In Acts 19, amen, the apostle came across some of the Ephesians that had been the followers of John Amen. He asked them if they had received the Holy Ghost since they believed. They said, we have not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, what baptism were you baptized to? He said, John's baptism. And that's great. And we'll get into this a little later. John was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. He set in the path. If there's anything that he indoctrinated the people with, and that is this, the mode of baptism is by immersion. 
If John ever offered anything, he offered that. But he said, there's one coming after me that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He was setting the stage for something more. So we're not totally doing away that John didn't give the people something because he started indoctrinating their minds that, that baptism in water is by immersion. But Jesus followed that up. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that's all right. We'll hit it again later. See, Jesus was baptized by John. Amen. Given the okay or the, the, the fingerprint, if you will. Yes, baptism is by immersion. But Jesus arose and said, though, that is not just good enough. You got to be baptized in my name. So while they had this immersion thing down, there was still something else that needed to be done. They needed to be baptized in the name. And evidently their whole salvation experience was going to be incomplete without proper baptism. So this is just not getting wet to show that you're a candidate or a member of the church. If it's valid and important enough that it can somehow make my salvation experience either complete or incomplete about how I was baptized, honey, there's something to this. Amen. Jesus said, John 3 and verse number 5, again, this importance. Jesus says, except a man to Nicodemus be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. This baptism is not a take it or leave it doctrine. If he says, no, no born of the water, no entry into heaven, I tell you what, I put that pretty high on my priority list that this is important. And the way that it's done is important. And it's valid. It's just not a fly-by-night thing, take it or leave it. It's an option on a card. No, 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 no. It must be born of the water of the Spirit. You cannot enter into the kingdom. It takes both the water and both the Spirit. Baptism, both are absolutely essential. Amen. And listen, just because maybe you were filled with the Holy Ghost before you were baptized doesn't mean, well, I'm exempt. I don't have to be baptized. Because since God loved me so much and he liked me so much, he gave me a spirit, then I don't have to worry about being baptized. I must be pretty good. You know, all these other people, they get baptized and then they get the Holy Ghost. But he filled me with the Holy Ghost, bless God, so I must be pretty good. I don't have to worry about this baptism thing. Wrong! It still takes baptism of spirit and baptism of water. The Bible states, look, Acts 10, the whole scenario with Cornelius, look, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter. Now, these folks just received the Holy Ghost. Man, they're talking in tongues like a China laundry there. And suddenly it is going down. They've received the Spirit of God. They're pretty special people. But Peter, the preacher, stands up. And he says, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded. He didn't say, well, if you want to, you can. If you don't want to, don't worry about it. Or if you feel pretty special because you received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then you're empowered and you can just do it as just a little extra. It's an extracurricular activity. It's, a, eh, uh. it's an elective course that you can choose or not choose. No! He said, you've been filled with the Spirit, but honey, you can't make it if you're not, you cannot make it if you're not baptized by water. I command you to be baptized. That's right. He commanded them. 
to be baptized. But the mode and the way in which we're baptized is vitally important. We must not reject the name of Jesus in water baptism because there is salvation in no other name. Scripture tells us of Acts 4.13. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3.17 that whatsoever we do in word or in deed to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew 10, Sister McGee, and verse number 32, look what happens. We want to deny him. You deny him, deny his name. He'll deny you. Whosoever there shall for, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him also, him will I also deny before my father which is in heaven. I don't want to deny his name. Amen. He'll deny my name. Amen. But what we're up against, folks, and I tell you again, are traditions of men. Because see, traditions of men, some say you don't have to get baptized, grace is enough. You don't have to get baptized, faith is enough. I've already in just a few preliminary things right here have gone to show you that it's more than that. And how important, essential that it is. Does it take faith? Yes. Does it take grace? Yes. Does it take obedience? Yes. Does it take calling on the name of the Lord? Yes. Does it take being baptized? Yes. Oh, yes. You know, if we're doing multiple choice and we're saying circle the right answer, you're going to the very bottom saying all the above. <laughs> Amen. There is only one true gospel. Galatians 1. In verse number six, starting, the Bible says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now look, called you into the grace, another gospel. Now he folds it up and he says, which is not another? Because there is no other gospel. He said, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, say, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now, consider what the man is saying. He's saying they're coming and persuading you by another gospel. He said, but there isn't another gospel. Listen very carefully. There isn't another gospel. He says, what people do though is they take the only gospel that there is because there's not another and they pervert that gospel. There's not another option. There's not another gospel. There is not another way outside of the biblical way. But what men, traditions, people do, sometimes innocently, sometimes purposefully, is that they pervert that only true living gospel. Amen. And that's the reason why Wolf of Angel or anybody else preach to you another gospel. They're not preaching to you something per se different or something that else is available. No, they're taking the true and they're perverting it. So ask yourself the question, 
What type of confidence if there is no other? You know, well, there's, there's a different way. See, that's the idea of mentality of people sometimes. Well, you're, you're with them. There's another way. No, no, no. There's only one way. The only other way outside of that is a perversion of the true way. And so do you want to follow a perversion or a falsified thing of that which is true? I hope someone's grabbing the fruit off the tree of what I'm trying to talk about then. Because some people say, well, this is just another way. Everything's fine and grand. No, there is no other gospel, no other gospel. There's just one way. If you're doing something else besides the true, you're doing the false, perverted. Perverted. Everything else is just... Anything outside of this is just nothing but a perversion of this. And you know why that snafus people? Because they'll find hints of the so-called other that has some of this in it, but it doesn't have all of this in it. And so that snafus people, and that draws them in because they see the likenesses, but whenever they get in deep enough, whoa, there's perversions. Amen. Amen. It's kind of like the fish in the water looking at a baited hook. That's a real worm on there. But it's after they wrap their mouth around it, they understand there's something perverted about this. There's a hook in that. There's something real about that. But there's also something there to somehow grasp you and grab you and be a detriment to you. And that's the way the false doctrine moves in. It has some appearances of truth. God's word in it, but in reality it's just a perversion of this. There's some alterations. There's, there's some things cut off and some things added to. You ever seen a piece of artificial fruit and thought it was real? I've seen some artificial fruit that could flack fool you. You go over there and pick that up and try to sink your teeth into it. It may have all appearances of real, but once you grab it and start trying to eat of it, you understand false, false, false. But not about everybody's at the same level. They see some of those things that are similar, and before you know it, they're too deep in, and they're captivated by a perverted gospel. Amen. In Noah's day, Noah's day, flood that came upon the earth God was judging the sin the wickedness of man he's wicked in his heart he's evil continually the Bible speaks of I believe it in Genesis 9 and 8 and such and so God's judging the world because of the wickedness and he cleansed the world how by the flood by water cleansed the earth by water and Peter he says likewise is our baptism he says just how God used water for the cleansing of the earth at that time. So likewise is our baptism. He, he shares with us particularly in Jesus' name. It cleanses us from our sin and it gives us, just as they did for Noah and his family, a fresh start. It gives you a fresh start. Amen. Someone say there's purpose. There's purpose in your baptism. There's a cleansing that comes whenever you go down in water in Jesus' name. There's a fresh start that ensues whenever you go down in the water in Jesus' name. 
Paul, on one of the several occasions that he was sharing his testimony of what had happened in his life and his conversion of Saul to Paul, and he was recalling some of the instructions of Ananias that God had sent to his life to speak to him about what he would do and what God was expecting and going to do in his life in Acts 22 and verse number 16. Sister Mickey, the Bible says, And now why thou why tarriest thou, Ananias is telling Paul, Arise and be baptized and wash away what thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Look at him here. He said, Men, arise and be baptized. Look, look, look and wash away thy sins why that's what baptism does it washes away your sins honey put me on the gravy train of the holy book of the bible i want that i want that i want that sign me up give me a baptismal robe on i'm ready to be immersed and go down in jesus name if you're telling me that washes away my sins that's the problem i've had since birth you better believe i want to be a part of that Or the alternative, I guess you can carry around that old dead body of sin for eternity. I don't care for the alternative. Amen. I'm just checking my time. Paul was communicating to Timothy in New Testament Scripture. And I know this morning I'm kind of tickling baptism a little bit, and I'm also, though, giving this a basis that we need to stay true to our doctrines, okay? That uh, he's talking to Timothy and told him concerning the inspiration of this holy book, the origin of this holy book, Timothy being the mentee, or being mentored rather by Paul. Paul's trying to instruct him and make him quite capable of handling what comes because it ain't gonna be long from then, you know, here's Timothy at, Ephesus and Paul says I, I fought with the beast of Ephesus there's some, whew, there's some real junk going on you got to deal with in Ephesus so you better send somebody, somebody trained that knows their stuff and what they're doing and so Paul begins to tell him he didn't want him to be moved off this they want him to be, to be moved or, or to be taken by a perverted gospel so to speak when he sent him to Ephesus because there were other so-called gospels that we know to just be a perversion of this you know around Ephesus so he says I want you to know what the origin of this is I want you to know what the inspiration of this and so in 2 Timothy 3 16 amen we have this morning he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness let me tell you right now if there's a doctrine Swing it around out there that has no biblical basis. It has been mislabeled. It's not a doctrine. Well, false doctrine, maybe. <laughs> but true doctrine finds its origin, finds its basis from God's word. The Thayer's Greek lexicon defines doctrine as teaching or that which is taught. Doctrine, or what we're trying to convey here this morning, teaching. Amen. It's beneficial. Why? It helps us understand God's will. And I know this from the word of God too. It's not in man to direct his own steps. I know knowledge is increasing. We're really intellectual and we're smart. But you know what? We can get the greatest degrees and be the smartest we ever were. But according to God's word, we're still incapable of directing our own steps. You can be the smartest, intelligent person that's still directionless. 
and they do exist today. They make, they're, they're, they're the smartest, most intellectual, but they have no direction. And here he says, you need some instruction, you need some corrections. What do you need in your life? Timothy, you need some doctrine. Amen. You, you need to have some doctrine. And then furthermore, Paul indicated to Timothy, look now, and I love this verse of Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 15, Sister McGee, that whenever Paul's talking to Timothy, look what he says there. This is, I had five, sorry. 2 Timothy 3, 15, all right, we're going to old school. We have to turn there. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, 15, the Bible says, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Paul talking to Timothy. I love this verse of Scripture. He says, Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able. What, what's the which referring to? Those Holy Scriptures you've known. He said, Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, Timothy, he said that word, those scriptures that have its origin being God-inspired, those words that are profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction, those words that you have are able to make you wise to salvation. How in the word? Because these, this word, when I read it, it brings me that faith. That faith has works with it. I give obedience. And when I obey what's written in this word, I mature. Amen. I mature. So it's important to know what the Bible says. Amen. It's important to know what the Bible says on anything for that matter, but it's important to know what the Bible says on baptism in particular. You know what? Really, Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, those things that you have learned, those scriptures, he says they're going to be able to help you when eternity comes. These are eternal words, and eternal words will help you with eternity, I guarantee you. Hey Amen. He said, they're going to they're gonna help you. He said, because right now, Timothy was in that age. Likewise, we are today. Hey Amen. In an age of deception that's running rampant, an age of deception. Hey Amen. Doctrine was, should become more increasingly important today than ever. Why? Because there are more people being deceived today than ever. There's a spirit of deception that started in Eden that has become bulkier as time has went on and the spirit of deception is strong it's rampant and so I need to know what the doctrine is the doctrine that's based upon his holy word amen someone say amen, amen. and sometimes that's not popular it's not popular because society says that this book is irrelevant It was written in that time, and so it was only good for that culture. Why is it then that I see things written in Job and different things that's explaining science that some are only discovering yet today? Hmm. Nevertheless, hey amen, okay, we'll go on that. I don't want to jump on no horse there and chase a rabbit or something. So doctrine must be based upon Scripture. And so with that being said, this doctrine of baptism that we speak about must be based on the Scripture. No exception. So when we go back and we consider John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, setting the stage for what was to follow, amen, he was baptizing uh, believers. He was immersing them in water. Uh, he had that message of baptism, of repentance, and for remission. 
He even knew the impact that baptism would have on the life. It would be for the remission of sins. As a matter of fact, it was such an integral part of John's life. What They called him what? John the Baptist. Because of the baptism. He's all the time over there at Beth Arvin. You know, he's down to Jordan. What's he doing? Well, he's down there baptizing people again. You know, so he's John the Baptist or the baptizer. Amen. And so there's a, there's a lot of importance concerning the influence that John had. We don't need to just totally demark him and just throw him away because he did, again, set the stage for the minds of the people to understand that baptism was by immersion, covered in water, because that's the way that John baptized. All right, And so when we understand how critical that was, it was so critical that in Acts chapter number 1, uh, Sister McGee, if you would help me, in verse number 21, that before even the day of Pentecost totally uh, came unfolded, remember, Judas, he's dead now. Judas is dead. Judas Iscariot, the betrayed the Lord, he's dead. And so they're needing to find a replacement disciple among the 12. They're needing to find a replacement in Acts chapter number 1. And so when they begin to look at this, they say, wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, they're given the criteria or the qualifications of who this person needs to be that's going to replace Judas. It has to be someone that's been with us all along that Jesus came in and out. And look, from the begin, beginning from the baptism of John, now if it didn't have no notoriety or no importance, why would that be a criteria? Is someone listening to me? Why would that be a criteria for them to march all the way back to the, to the time from the beginning of John's baptism? Because John's baptism did underscore the importance of it being immersion. Amen. All right. So that's, that's what we know. It must be completely immersed, plunged beneath the water's surface. Amen. And so Jesus came, and as he's coming, John makes that great exclaim, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. And he comes, and the Bible tells us in Matthew 3, 16, where John baptized Jesus, that they came up, they came out of the water. Uh, it tells us in John 3, 23, in another place, that whenever John baptized, it was a place with much water. So we're not talking about a little dabadoo yet, you know? I'd sprinkle you with a squirt gun. I don't need much water. But he said he did where much water was. Again, emphasizing that this thing was by immersion. Matthew 3, verse 11. I'm trying, I'm trying to go on here. Well, I don't know if we'll make it. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. Here's John's statement. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So here's the forerunner, man. He's setting the stage. He's doing his prescribed duty that he was called to do. He's setting the stage. He's setting the path for one that will come after him. So he's laid all this groundwork about being immersed, the mode of baptism, be immersed in the water for the remission of sins. He says, but there's one coming after me. He's going to baptize you even with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that happened in Jesus' teaching. That happened in the apostles' ministry. All of this happened. And so we understand that Jesus understood, amen, or endorsed, should I say, water baptism by immersion because he allowed himself to be baptized by John. Amen. Allowed himself to be baptized by John. He submitted to that. Amen. And so he sets the stage for us to submit then to being immersed in water. Amen. Mm -hmm. Even so much so in Matthew 28, 19 that we read, Jesus, though through his own commandment, said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, that's important, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's commanding even that baptism is a central part of salvation. Jesus is. 
Amen. Now, if he's my Lord, my master, and he says it's important, you know, you know, it's like it's like a boss coming up to you, and I don't, I've been out of the work realm a little bit, but a boss coming up to you and saying, "This is the way I want something done," and then a coworker saying, "You don't have to do it that way." Well, I do it like this, and it's all right. Yeah, it's all right till D Day. <laughs> now, who are you going to listen to? The one that gives you your paycheck at the end of the week or every two weeks? Or the one you just work alongside? Because payday's always coming. Amen? Well, glory. Hallelujah. So I don't care what Joe Blow tells me. Now, if he's telling me what Jesus told him, what the scripture says, if he's like the apostles and he's just transferring what Jesus said, that's fine. Now, if someone said do it like this because that's what the boss said to do, I'm fine with that. I'll do that because they said that's what the boss said to do. But if the boss didn't say it, I'm not doing it. Now, if you can't lick that up off the ground, you just, you just can't do it today. You got, I mean, if that's low enough, everybody can grab that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he's commanded his disciples... It's interesting. He says, look at this. The commandment that he gave was not just for the Jews. It was not for a sect of people. It's not like he differentiated baptism according to culture or according to race or according to your sex. No. He told them to go on forward. He included, there was no nation of people that was under the umbrella of that command. He said all nations. But this is the same prescription for all nations. It's not the Russian people are going to do it like this and then the French people are going to do it like this and the Spanish people are like this. Amer- no, 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 no. It's all inclusive. See, God's, he's really not as hard as we make him to be. Oh, he's got all these hope you got to jump through. My God. Well, he could have gave a dozen different ways of the Dutch and the Greek and the that. No, no, no. One way. For all people. Amen. <laughs> Further... We see how Jesus even linked water baptism with our salvation in Mark 16, 16. Sister McGee, if you have that uh, for me here this morning. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He's again linking this baptism, the essentiality of baptism with salvation experience. I think I'm I'm just going to have to close because I'm going to start really transgressing here time if you'll just stand with me I'm sorry I know that's like just bottom bottom the plane out there but we're not done with this okay we're not done with this amen so folks know the truth the truth is his word and the more you you familiarize yourself with that it'll build your faith but your faith will not be void without works or obedience Amen. You'll act upon that and understand well whenever the voices come well there's another way you can just look at that and say well if, if, if that way does not line up with this then the only thing that is is a falsehood of this. It's a perversion. And we're looking at the essentiality of the doctrine of baptism that is derived from this holy book this word. Amen. It is truth. And it'll sanctify you. It'll set you apart. It'll sanctify you. Hallelujah. If we can just bow our heads in this audience today, all over this place, if we can just bow our heads and speak to the Lord right now in prayer. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. 
Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.